Welcome to the Social Dallas Podcast. Today you'll hear an uplifting message from our pastor, Robert Madu. I'm glad and excited to continue our series tonight called Fear God. Let's pause for station identification. How many were here last Sunday when we kicked off this series? Can I see your hand? Oh, come on. Give yourself a hand because you came back. You came back. I'll take those claps. I'm not going to lie. I was nervous. I was nervous because I realized that there's not really a lot of things that are attractive and sexy about a series called Fear God. I told you last week, if I did a series like on the favor of God and just preached four weeks on how the reason you got haters is because you got so much favor, how many of people would be like, yes, come on, preach that. When you start talking about the fear of God, it can conjure up uh, so many different emotions. But we've been understanding, especially last week, There's a difference between being afraid of God and the fear of God. There's a vast difference, okay? And if you want to know the difference, check your feet. Check your feet. If you're afraid of God, you will run away from him. But the true fear of God, the reverence of God, to take God seriously means that I draw close to him. I draw close to him. And uh, we also are understanding that it is the fear of God that is really the antidote for the fear of man. Oh, come on. Y'all going to help me at the 6 p.m. service. Look at your neighbor and say, I ain't scared of you. Look at him right in their face and say, I ain't scared of you. That's the kind of swag I want you to have after this series. I want you to have that nerve, that audacity, that unmitigated gall to look at people and say, I am not afraid of you because the one that I fear is God. And it is the fear of God that gives me the confidence, the boldness, the fortitude to be all that he's called me to be. The fear of God is the antidote for the fear of man. And so this is part two of this series. And I'm going to ask you to stand with me tonight to honor the reading of God's word. We're going to jump straight up into it. And I want you to go with me to the gospel according to John, the gospel of John, chapter 18. We're going to look at verses 1 through 8. John 18, starting at verse number 1, and we'll land at verse number 8. When you're ready to read it, say, yeah. If you're not ready, you need some time, say, hold up. Oh, that was a loud hold up. And it's always a loud hold up, but I'm going to wait because you got a paper Bible in church. Come on, somebody. You know you're super saved when you got a paper Bible. That electronic stuff, eh, it's all right. But that gets you extra credit in heaven. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You're good. You're good. John 18, starting at verse number one. And it says, when he had finished praying that he is Jesus. When he had finished praying. what? Uh, is that the right? Is that the right version? Oh, yeah, that's right. But that's weird. Huh. When he, Jesus, had finished praying. Isn't that that interesting that Jesus prayed? Like Jesus prayed. I mean, what what is prayer? We say it all the time. It's one of our house rules that we're a house of prayer. And prayer is just communicating with God. And Jesus, I mean, he is. He was God. And he prayed? It's like, but you are God. It's like talking to yourself. (laughs) Jesus talked to himself. I don't know. When I see people talk to themselves, I don't know about you. For me, whoo, that is a, uh, that's a red flag. That's... That's a red flag. That's a big red flag. You just walk by yourself saying, how are we doing today? That's a red flag for me. When he had finished praying, Jesus, he left with his disciples and he crossed, hold up, the Kidron Valley. Ooh, not just the valley, 
the Kidron Valley. Anybody here been to Israel? You've been to the Holy Land? Anybody been to the Holy Land? One brother there in the back. Did you go to the Kidron Valley? Ooh, if you went to the Kidron Valley, you know that that right there, the Kidron Valley, that's a red flag. That's a red flag. It's scary to walk through a valley, but the Kidron Valley, that's a red flag. I'm going to talk about that later. And it says, on the other side, there was a garden, and he and his disciples went into it. Now, Judas, hold up one second. That's at least <laughs> two red flags. Judas, the original hater, now Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. So Judas came to the garden guiding a detachment of soldiers, not just a group, not even a legion, a detachment. That detachment got me. That detachment is a red flag. Let me just give you the blues clue right now. The detachment, that's 600 soldiers, possibly 600 soldiers pulling up in a garden to get one man who is God in flesh. 600 dudes just to get one man. That's a red flag. Talk about that later. And it says some of the officials from the chief priest and the Pharisees, they were carrying torches, lanterns, and weapons. Jesus knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked them, look at what he asked, who is it you want? I'm going to put a red flag on that, but that's in red letters, so we good, we good. Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I am he, Jesus said. And Judas the traitor was standing there with him. And when Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Do you read the Bible in pop-up pictures like I do? Can you imagine? 600 people, 600 soldiers fall to the ground immediately because your God and my God said, I am here. <laughs> oh, that's good. I love the Bible. Again, he asked them, who is it you want? And if it was me, I wouldn't have said nothing. I'm like, I already fell out the first time. <laughs> That's when I would have been out. I was like, you know what? I didn't want to be in this soldier army anyway. I'm out. I would have been gone. But these dudes are crazy. Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. If you're looking for me, then let these men go. Whew, Lord, I love your word. I want to preach to you today. You probably already guessed my title from this thought, Red Flags. Red flags. Do me a favor. Look at your neighbor, whichever one you like the best, and just say, neighbor. Oh, come on. Don't be afraid to talk to your neighbor at the 6 p.m. Come on, say, neighbor. You got to watch out for them red flags. Come on. Look at your other neighbor. Look at your other neighbor, the one you ignored. Come on. Say, other neighbor. I picked you second because you a whole red flag. <laughs> I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm playing. Remain standing. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word tonight. Lord, I pray that your word would come forth with clarity, with precision, with power. Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts today. Let us be transformed by the revelatory power of your infallible word, God. We did not come here tonight to be entertained. God, we have come to be drastically changed. Speak to us so clearly, so succinctly. And God, even right now, as I preach the word, favor your team, America's team the Dallas Cowboys, to defeat every patriot from New England. In Jesus' name, everybody said, man, you said amen, you agree. You may be seated. 
presence of the Lord. Somebody say red flags. If my title alone tonight didn't make you giggle or just kind of chuckle on the inside, then you obviously have not been on any social media platform within the last week and a half. Because on a myriad of timelines, Twitter feeds, and Instagram posts, and Facebook pages, has been a series of one emoticon that I don't think any of us have used since this last week, and it is a red flag. Red flag, not just one flag, but a series of red flags. And not just a series of red flags. It's red flags accompanied with statements, scenarios, situations of warning sign worthy behavior. This now viral meme actually started off as a dating warning sign. So any single people in the house? <laughs> Y'all already knew about this little meme before it went viral. This is how it started. It started as dating warning signs. Here's just a few of them that came across. Uh, when he dripped in designer, but don't got a car. That right there? That's a red flag. Gucci shoes, no car. Just we gonna walk today. That, that's, that's a red flag. Here's another one that somebody posted. It says, oh, when they never text back, but always have their phone in their hand when you're with them. Somebody said, amen. That right there. <laughs> it's a red flag. It's a red flag. One more, maybe my personal favorite. Um, when she got an Android. I'm already preaching it here. Red flag. Don't get offended. Just fix it. Get you an apple, okay? <laughs> text it. Is that a green text that came back now? <laughs> Red flag. It went viral. It went viral that even companies, companies started jumping on the bandwagon. This came from the official Pepsi Twitter page. They posted this. I've never had a Pepsi in my life. Red flag. Not even just corporations did it. I mean, ministers did it. Can you believe that? Orators of the gospel. There's a preacher that I follow. He's hilarious. He posted this uh, the other day. It just made me laugh. He, <laughs> he was talking about, like, people in church, people in church, and this minister who I love. He said, uh, when you see a person that strategically waits for the quiet moments in the service to yell something out, red flag, red flag, just when everybody gets quiet, oh, this is my moment. Jesus, I love you! We all do, okay? You can love them quietly. Red flag, red flag. Oh, he said another one. Here's another one. Um, I, oh, I love it. When somebody comes up to you, this happened to this preacher, not me, this preacher. Uh, people come up to you, oh, huh, I absolutely love you and your church. You see, what I hated about my old pastor and my old church, woo, you see that? That's a, that's a red flag. And then another one of my favorites right here. When a person comes on stage without asking to wave a flag during worship, I wish you would try it. I wish you would try it. That's a, that's a red flag. And there are so many more that went on. But the reality is, you don't have to be dating anybody or be looking for a spouse to have fallen prey to the red flag scenario. I mean, come on, let's be honest tonight. We've all done it. We've all had conversations with people that as they're talking, we're like, ooh, uh-oh. <laughs> That's a red flag. Or we look at behavior. We look at something that they said, and we're like, oh, that's a sign right there. Red flag. It's as if an alarm goes off in your head that lets you know something is off and that you need to run off from that person. It is a warning sign that many of us have that makes us say, stay away from that person, avoid them at all costs. 
And I know I'm being funny and it's just a viral memes and memes are meant to be funny. But sometimes I actually think that memes are microscopes, even microcosms that give us a clear picture of humanity and what we do. Because I've learned that we as a culture are obsessed with red flags. Have you noticed we live in a red flag culture? No offense to any Crips. We live, some of you missed it. We live in a, we live in a red flag culture. What do you mean by that, Robert? I mean, we live in a culture that is obsessed with finding the flaws in other people. We live in a culture that is so quick to point out, oh, let me tell you what's wrong with you. We live in a culture that is obsessed with looking at people, at systems, and we're so quick to point out, red flag, that's what's wrong with them. That's what they need to fix. And many of us do it because we don't want to address the red flags that are in our life because it's easy to point out the red flags in everybody else. We don't just do it in people. We do it with systems, especially our generation. That's wrong. Red flag. You gonna do something about it? No, I posted and I just wanna create awareness that this is wrong. It's like we don't wanna do anything about it. It's just like we find this pride in calling out the red flags. People will do it with you. They're like, oh, can I just give you some constructive criticism real quick? They ain't built nothing in their life, but they have constructive criticism to give you. It is a disease that we have to always look at the red flags. I know what some of you are saying. We're like, hold on, Robert. Are you saying that I shouldn't look at, look at character flaws? Are you saying I shouldn't look at behavior issues in people? No, I'm not saying that. I'm more so saying that you'll never see a green flag meme go viral. You won't because nobody's looking for the beauty. Nobody's looking for the gold or the treasure. We are looking for what is negative because negativity is our narcotic. Oh, you don't believe it? Go a day without complaining. <laughs> Go two hours without complaining, and you will see that negativity is the new narcotic. We are addicted to finding out the flaws, pointing out what's wrong, and looking at the red flags. Even social scientists have become aware of this. There's a new thing out now that they found called bad news bias bad news bias. And a social scientist started this study, particularly in 2020 when he noticed the pandemic was coming into fruition. And he noticed that as the coronavirus was spreading and the numbers were getting larger and larger, news media outlets were quick to let us know when the numbers were getting larger. But then all of a sudden, when the numbers started to go down, they did not focus on the states or the regions where the numbers would go down. They would shift the story in the news coverage to the places where the numbers were going up. He said, so we're actually dealing with an issue in news media outlets where you're not just dealing with misinformation, you're dealing with news media that only wants to show you particular facts that are negative. Let me, and he called it bad news bias. And before you sit up there and go, oh, that's why I don't watch the news anyway. I'm sick of it. CNN, Fox, NBC, HIJK, Elemental P. I don't watch any of that stuff because it's all negative. The study found out the reason these news media outlets do it is because they're just giving us what we want. We are addicted to negativity. We are addicted to bad news. It is bad news bias. The stories that we post, that we share, that we have the tendency to read are the stories that are negative. Why? Because we love the red flags. And I found out that the enemy actually wants you obsessed with the red flags because every red flag is always rooted in fear. Have you noticed? 
there's not a single red flag that you see that is not rooted in fear. That's what every red flag is. All it is is fear. That's why you look at that behavior and say, oh, is that a sign? Is that a sign of future behavior? Because I don't want to be hurt. I don't got time to waste. I'm 43 and he still ain't here yet. I don't have time to. It's fear. Every single red flag is rooted in fear, even in relationships. But newsflash, everybody got red flags. Every single person you meet has a red flag. Red flags are rooted in fear. I'm not saying you shouldn't use wisdom. I'm just saying if you're looking for a person with no red flags, you will not find them. They got red flags. You got red flags. Oh, y'all going to sit up there and act like you ain't got. You got a red flag. Smiling, red flag. Worshiping, red flag. Saying hallelujah, red flag. Everybody, quit acting like you don't. Oh my goodness, I didn't even give the first service. I'm going to give this to you. There's, there's a lady who's a counselor, and I'll never forget this. Whenever she does premarital counseling, premarital counseling with couples who are just like, oh, my, have we got our hashtag yet? Have we found our venue? She, she loves to do premarital counseling with them because she has them do this exercise. She has them do this exercise where each one of them, the spouse, each spouse, future husband, future wife, they get little sticky cards, and they write down everything that annoys them about their potential spouse, everything. I mean, even down to the little things and the big things, everything that annoys them. And then after each one of them writes it, they have them stick the things that annoy, annoy them on each one of them. And they have this counselor, premarital counselor, has them look at each other with all the sticky things, bad breath, hairline, credit score three, all of that stuff. Put it all on there and has them face each other, has them face each other and says, if you're not ready to marry them, knowing that those situations might not get better but worse, don't do it. Because we all got red flags. And every red flag in your life is rooted in fear. You know what the enemy wants you to do? To constantly live your life looking for the red flag. People do it in church. Some of you did it tonight. Mm, I don't know. Cardigan on, maroon. I don't know about that pastor. <laughs> yeah, I knew a pastor before he had a cardigan on. Mm, he wasn't no good. People do it all the time in church. People do it in connect groups. Connect groups. How many are part of connect group? We launched connect group. You see some of you walk into your connect group. Shout out to you. You're so brave. You did it. But then in the connect group, you already started going, oh, no. Something about this connect group ain't right. Now, someone's all oh, This is how church people do. We don't say red flags. Just my spirit. If you're new to church, just do that. You want to sound spiritual? Just do that. Something in my spirit. Act like you smell something. Something in my spirit. Don't sit right with me. Red flag. You know what it really is? It's your fear. It's your fear. Oh, I've never been in a connect group. Oh, I wonder if they don't like me. Da, da, da. But you're trying to cover up the fear with, uh, with the red flag. Anytime you have red flags, ask yourself, is this really a red flag? Or is this my fear that's trying to keep me paralyzed in a place that God is actually trying to pull me from? Oh, are you recording this? I'm going to watch this later. This is why this series is so important. This is why the series is so imperative, because God is trying to get us to switch our fears. 
Because if you could get the fear of God, the reverence of God is what causes all these other fears to dissipate. When you reverence God, when you respect God, when you take God seriously, it takes care of these other fears. That's why the Bible says the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Come on, you really want to start finding the right spouse? Stop looking for all the red flags. Stop looking for the one. Just start reverencing God. Start spending time with him. And there's something about the fear of God that brings wisdom in your life. Ooh, I told you when we started this series, I don't know where to start because your Bible is full. It is replete with examples of the fear of the Lord. Let's look at one here today in the book of Psalms 34. It says, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. I love what Isaiah says. Isaiah 33 verse 6 says, wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times and the strength of salvation. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. Look at what Proverbs 19.23 says. Fear of the Lord leads to life, bringing security and protection from harm. Fear of the Lord leads to life, bringing what? Hello? Bringing what? And from harm. What? Fear of the Lord leads to life, bringing it like you had some express so bring it what security. and from home where's my security that's my security security and protection what, what, what are you saying the fear of the Lord is a protector some of you worried about all these red flags no just fear the Lord I promise you you'll be good you know this is right this is my security try something tonight if you want I'm good this right here is my security. God says, when you fear me, when you reverence me, I will bring security and protection. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. One of the ramifications of reverencing God is that you have security. God protects you when you fear him. Now, let's go deeper. Y'all good? Here's the thing about protection. Here's the thing about security. That's why I brought them up here. In order for you to be my security... I need two things. I need to know two things, rather, that you have power over me and you have love for me. I need both of those. If you're going to be my security, I got to know that you got power over me and you got love for me. What good is security if you just got love for me but no power? They were specifically picked, okay? I ain't getting no Steve Urkel, Pee Wee Herman dude that ain't worked out in six years talking about Pastor Robert, I got your back. How? You ain't got yours. <laughs> no, for real. I'm being for real. I can't, but I love you. That's cool. You ain't got no power. <laughs> By the same token, if I just got somebody with power, but no love, but doesn't care about me, you're going to put them biceps on me. So in order for me to trust you, in order for me to come under your protection, I need to know that you have power over me and you have love for me. This is the character and the nature of your God. This is why you should reverence him. Not just because he has power. Please believe he has that. 
He has power over you, but he also has a love for you. These two characteristics of God must be looked at together. Power and love. That he is a righteous judge, but he is a loving father. Power and love. If you lean into the power without the love, you will be afraid and run for your life. If you lean into the love and forget the power and think you can approach God casually, you will fool yourself. But when you got the power and the love and you reverence him, you come under his protection. Come on, somebody. Well, let me break this down. Let's split the room. I did it this morning. Let's do it one more time. Let me split the room right down the middle. This side right here, y'all gonna be power. This side right here, y'all gonna be love, okay? When I point at you, I need you to say it to wake you up tonight. Here we are. You're ready? Right here. Come on, you got more power than that. Come on. Come on, y'all. I got the Just check it. need both. I need both. I need his power. Last week, I messed y'all up because you thought I was going to bring a lion out here. One of the best moments in my preaching life is to watch all these people with their phones going, oh my goodness, and knowing it's a stuffed animal in there. And the reason I didn't bring the lion is because the way our insurance policy is set up. <laughs> no, the reason I didn't bring the lion out is because I have a reverence. I have a fear for the lion's But the lion does not have for me. So since I reverenced it, I didn't bring a real one out here. And that's why when I'm watching all them shows, oh, y'all gonna cancel me for this. But you know those people that like go out with the wild animals and stuff and they be on the show talking about, I'm out here with the biggest alligator I've ever seen. You know them people? Or we're out here with the great whites. When those people lose eyeballs and limbs or die, I don't really waste time shedding tears for them. I know that sounds bad. It's, I, I don't feel bad because you didn't reverence that animal's you ain't gonna catch me out there. You didn't reverence that animal's power. Now understand, that animal ain't got no for you. That's the beauty of nature, actually. Romans talks about this, that even the heavens declare the glory of God. That you can look at nature and see God's power. That you can stand in an ocean, an immense ocean, and understand the power of your God and how the tide can take you a place that you didn't want to go. You can look at nature and see the power of God. That power ought to cause you not to treat God casually. But that power also shouldn't make you scared and run because this is a God that oh, I got to hit you with illustrations so you can get it. I, I was studying for this message this week and I took a little break to wrestle with my little man, Robert Madu III. And uh, we're playing on the trampoline, wrestling, you know, guy stuff, dad stuff. Come on, let's fight. We're hitting each other, we're wrestling. And every parent has had this moment, every real dad, especially if you ever wrestle with your kids. You ever been wrestling with your kids, you're playing with them, you're fighting, you know, playing whatever. And all of a sudden, they hit you. Like, for real, for real, <laughs> they hit you in a place that if anybody hits you, it's going to be a problem. You have one of those moments, you're like, Oh, I mean, he got me good, y'all. He got me so good. It was so funny. He got some swag. He got arrogant when he doing it. He's like, come on, daddy. Yeah, you're weak. I'm like, boy, you better go over there. Just give me a minute. <laughs> oh, I'm telling you, 
I had to take a minute. And there he is said, yeah, you're weak. I'm like, no. And how many you know I could beat him up? No, I could take him. He's five. I could knock him out. And he there is thinking he got me. Boy, don't you get it twisted. I got power. So much power. I could crush you. The only reason you're still grinning and think you did something, love. This is why you must fear God. This is why he must not be taken casually. All throughout the Old Testament, they were convinced of the holiness of God. They took him seriously. The high priest who went into the Holy of Holies on behalf of the people of God, they tied a rope around his leg. He had bells underneath his garment because they knew that when he went to put the sacrifice on the altar to atone for the sins of the people, they knew that this God was so holy that he was not to be taken casually. They put bells underneath his garment so the people who stood on the outside praying and hoping that the sacrifice of the high priest would hit the mercy seat. They were hoping and praying that their sins would be atoned for. And while they're waiting on the outside, they are listening to the sound of the bells. And as long as they heard the bells, they knew that the priest was all right. They knew that the priest had made it in the presence of a holy God. But if that priest did not look at himself appropriately, if he did not cleanse himself, if he did not approach God, not the way he thought he should approach God, but the way God commanded him to approach God, if he did not take it seriously he would drop dead and they didn't even go in they would pull the rope that was attached to his leg to drag him out why because this is a holy God that has power that must be taken seriously but he's not to be feared to run away because he has love. it's interesting because I see so many people who are so obsessed with the that they forget the the love should not make me treat him casually. Reverence understands that I must approach God on his terms. Reverence doesn't give you a light. Love rather doesn't give you a license to do whatever you want. Can you imagine? Oh, I'm getting all kinds of stuff I didn't plan to say to y'all. Thank you, God, for talking to me while I'm talking to them. Can you imagine going on your wedding day, a holy moment, a reverent moment and you're about to say your vows to the one that you love and you go hey real quick before I say I do I just want to know like like what is cheating <laughs> can you imagine like how many would stay in this wedding no for real no I love her no for real I'm just trying to figure out before I say I do like how far can like can I text another girl like how, how like how like what like can I flirt can you imagine? And yet I see so many people that go, like, well, how far can, like, what is sin? Like, how close can we get? Like, can't, can we get? The question itself reveals the posture of your. Let me see, this 6 p.m. jacks me up, Louise. The question itself is asinine. Because my love for him my reference for him is not trying to see how close I can get to the edge. It's that I so revere you, I so honor, I so respect you that I would not dare. You have to live in the tension of the power and the love.
Give them a hand. Thank you so much, security. I love my text today because it is power and love on display. Jesus is in the final moments of his life. And the Bible says that he prayed. I'm not going to go long into it. I joked about it as a red flag. But as we're understanding the fear of God, the reverence of God, it's important that you develop a prayer life with your God. If Jesus took the time to pray, if Jesus <laughs> took the time all throughout your Bible, he would retreat away to pray. How much more do we need to take time to connect with God? And don't make it harder than it seems. I know sometimes you can come to church and church people will mess you up. Because you'll come in and you're like, man, I just, I'm just new to this thing called faith. And then somebody will pray and you'll hear one of them big old these and that. You ever heard one of them King James prayers that just jacked you up? Somebody, eternal and all wise, knowing effervescent God, your most humble servant has gathered under your auspicious presence to embark upon the mission of prayer. I am cognizant of the fact that thou art the God of galaxies, skies, eternity, and space. So it would be, oh thou God. What? Yeah, I do none of that. None of that. Just come to him and say, man, I, I need you. You want to know, know one of my favorite prayers? Help! <laughs> That's one of my favorite prayers. That worked good. You don't need King James. You ain't got no Greek or Hebrew. Help! <laughs> but my prayers are more than help. See, that's some of y'all have a problem. The only time God ever hears from you is help! You ought to have a high with your help. Oh. Notice in the text, he's going to the Garden of Gethsemane, and it's the place that he frequented often. The reason Judas knew where to lead him is because Jesus had a regular place. Do you have a regular place that God would even know where, somebody would know where to find you? It wasn't his first time in the Garden of Gethsemane. He'd been there several times, getting away to pray. He gets away. He prays. And the Bible says he starts walking through the Kidron Valley. Ooh, red flag. The Kidron Valley is the valley that is in between the Temple Mount and the Garden of Gethsemane. In between the place of worship and the place of crushing is a valley. That's where he's walking through the Kidron Valley. I told you it was a red flag. Kidron translates to mean dark. It's a dark place. You know you're really reverencing God when you walk through a dark place, but you still trust him. You know you reverence God when you walk through a valley and you still trust him. You can go to Israel today. The Kidron Valley is surrounded by graves and tombs. It is the place in between. If you can walk through a dark place and really trust him, that's when you've tapped into the true reverence of God. Don't tell me you reverence him and you only worship when everything is going good. Ooh, I just got a raise in a Tesla. God is good. I bet he is. But can you worship him in the Kidron Valley? Oh, come here, David. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear 
fear no evil. David, how come you fear and no evil? Because I have a greater fear. The reason I don't fear evil is because I fear the shepherd. Oh, do you understand the power and the boldness you can have? You can only walk through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil when you got a greater fear. I'm not denying the evil. I'm not denying the dark. I just got a greater fear. And my fear is of the shepherd. And as long as the shepherd is with me, I can walk through it. I need somebody right there to give God some praise. If you know what it's like to walk through a dark place, to to walk through a scary place, but to say, God, I still trust you. I don't understand it, but I'm not going to lose my praise in the valley. It's in the valley that really authenticates the validity of my praise. Anybody can praise him on the mountaintop. Can you praise him in the valley? Oh, somebody just take 10 seconds and give God the best praise that you got in this place. I can praise him in the Kidron Valley with death and darkness all around me. Yeah. He walks through the valley. Worship team, join me. And as he's walking through the valley, oh, I don't have time. If I had time, I'd, I'd tell you that this valley is the same valley that David walked through when his son Absalom was betraying him. So look that Jesus is walking through the same valley that David walked through and faced betrayal. And while he's walking through the valley, Judas is walking too, betraying him. You know why I can reverence and revere God? is because he can relate to me. This is the power of Christianity. Whenever the faith says man must come to God, and yet we have a faith that espouses the truth that God came down to man. He feels you. He was betrayed too. He's walking through the Kidron Valley. And as he's walking, here comes Judas leading the way, the original hater, with 600 soldiers, with swords and lanterns <laughs> coming to arrest Jesus. Can you see him? We're gonna get him. You ready? <laughs> All 600 of you, let's go. This blows my mind. 600 dudes are coming to get one man. This is how much power he had. Because they watched, they watched him clear a temple by himself. Do you know, oh man, the word. Do you know how many times they tried to kill Jesus and he slipped away? Read it when you get to the crib. One day they were about to throw him off of a cliff because of the truth that he was hitting him in the face with. They're about to throw him off a cliff, and the Bible says stuff like he just slipped away. <laughs> what? How you go from being on the cliff to be like, nah, I'm son of God, it ain't time yet. So don't get it twisted. They didn't take his life, he laid it down. 600 dudes. 600 dudes. They're gonna get him. You ready? It's dark. Let's get him. Let's get him. There he is. There he is. Hold on. Wait a minute. Hold on. Which one is it? Walking in darkness, can't even see, thinking they're going to capture 
the king of the universe. It's a picture of humanity to me. You walk in our arrogance. I'll tell you who God is. I'll tell you what I think. He can't even see. Oh, which one? Can't even see. Um, I can't see. He has to help them. They're coming to get him. He has to help them. Uh, who are you looking for? Oh, so glad you asked. Um, <laughs> uh, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. I am he. 600 soldiers hit the ground because he said, I am he. The translation is, I am. Two words, I am. Hit the ground. No keys, no bow down before him. I am. Hit the ground. Do you understand why the Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord? Oh, you can stand in your arrogance all you want. There is coming a day when no matter who you are, no matter how you voted, no matter what theology you espouse, there is coming a day where he will crack the sky and a trumpet will sound and you will have to acknowledge that he is the creator, that he is the omnipotent one, that he is the omniscient one. There is coming a day where every tribe and every nation and every tongue will have to fall down and worship the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the earth. Oh, somebody give him some praise in this place. Hey! Oh, I don't worship right now. I'm not going to wait till I have to bow. I choose to bow right now. I choose to fear him. I choose to give him reverence. I choose to give him glory. I choose to give him honor right now. You may as well bow now. You may as well bow now. You're going to have to do it anyway. I am. And they hit the ground. This blew me away. Because this is John's gospel. He's the one that has all the I am statements. I am the door. I am the way. I am the good shepherd. I am the light. How come they never fail when he said any of that? Because when you look at what he said, I am, it is the exact translation of Exodus chapter 3 when Moses has an encounter with God at a burning bush. Sees a bush burning and it's not being consumed. And Moses hears his name and he walks up to that bush with reverence, with fear. And God calls out to him, says, Moses, take off your shoes. This is holy ground. And Moses has an encounter that marks him for life. Go tell Pharaoh, I said, let my people go. something else the one thing he didn't want to do isn't that crazy homeboy had a stuttering problem couldn't talk what did Jesus say hey I need you to talk for me 
always ask you to do the thing you don't think you can do. That's why you need to fear him. I'm always scared of the person that says, I got it, for real. He'll ask you to do the thing that you feel like you have the least amount of competence in. He will not allow you to glory in your own wisdom, strength, or ingenuity. He needs you to need him. He will make sure that you cannot do your assignment without him. Go tell him. Let my people go. God, you do, you do, mate. Can I, let me do something else. I can't talk. No. Go tell him. You have to do it. He made all kinds of excuses. No, but I can't. Go do it. All right. Who do I say sent me? And in my exegetical imagination, I feel like there was a pause between the time Moses asked, who should I say sent me? There was a pause between the time he asked and he got a response. I feel like God, if it was possible for him to have to think about something. Tell Mo, sent him. Well, I could say, tell him I'm a protector, but I'm more than a protector, I'm a provider. I could say, tell him I'm a provider, but I'm not just a provider, I'm their peace. I could say, tell him I'm a way maker, but I'm not just a way maker, I'm love. I could tell him I'm love, but I'm not just love, I'm power. I could tell him I'm faithful, but I'm not just faithful, I'm just. I could tell him I'm just, but I'm not just just, I got mercy. I could tell him that I'm omnipotent, but I'm not just omnipotent, I'm omniscient. I got wisdom. I don't know. There's a long list of all the names I could give you, Moses. So let me not waste any more of your time. Moses, just tell him that I am. I am every single thing that you will ever need. That's why you should fear me. That's why you should reverence me, because I am that I that you need. Why would you not reverence this God who is everything? Why would you not fall down before him? Why would you not honor his power and lean into his love? Do you know why people run away from this powerful God who is a righteous judge but a loving father? It's because when you get in his presence, you don't become aware of other people's red flag become aware of yours. You know you're in the presence of God when your red flags start coming before you. One prophet said, I saw the Lord. I lifted up and I said, woe is me. from a God because he wants you to think that God doesn't care. No, the red flag should be a sign to say, God, I need you. Woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm telling somebody that's become aware of your red flags. Don't run away from him. Run to him. Run towards him. Bow before him. He already paid the price. His red blood that was shed can cover your red flag if you would fall before him. happen all the time. People 
people that think that the indication of the red flag they see in their life in the presence of God is a sign to run away. This is why people don't want to come to church. This is why people don't want to talk about God. Hey, don't talk about that God stuff in front of me. Why? Because there's something about His holiness. You can't get away from it. You can't escape it. You know you're guilty. All of humanity knows it. We know we have red flags. So many of us do like Adam and Eve did in the garden. We run away because we're afraid. Father, I thank you for your word tonight. God, I thank you that in your holiness, in your power, there's also love. God, I pray for my brother and my sister tonight who perhaps has bought the lie of the enemy that the red flag is a sign that they should run away. God, I pray tonight that your presence that is here right now of your preached word that they would run to you. God, thank you that you know my red flags, but you still love me. God, thank you that you don't treat me like humanity that sees the red flags as a warning sign to run away. But you're the father that stands outside that looks for the son who went away and doesn't even wait for him to get to the house, but you run towards him. God, thank you that your blood was enough. We would like to thank you for being a part of our social global family. Please head to our website, socialdallas.online, and see the many ways you can stay connected with us from around the world.